0: Flotsam and Jetsam, a Ferrochrome podcast. Cheryl. Jennifer. As I age, oh. and I don't expect you to go with this, being much, much younger <laughs> much, than myself. Much, much, but much younger. As I age, I'm finding I am much more interested in history, mm. in people of the mm-hmm. past, in events of the past, in places... Do you find that yourself? Well, I do have an affinity for history, because I.
1: But I think I tend to look at history through rose-colored glasses. I'm sure that you're a nostalgist, aren't you? Well, that and the, the dreamer of what, what it would have. What would it have been like um, to, I don't know, to live in a different time? What was it like for uh, the people that came before me coming here? Um, how difficult was it? Was it really that difficult?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I've been doing a bit of research in the last little while. Have you? And I actually think it was incredibly difficult. Oh, you're crushing me. <laughs> it, well, no, I think it's good that we're of our own time. Mm, there you go. I look back at some of the stories of immigrants to Canada mm. And you learn of horrendous situations where they have no money. There is illness, mm-hmm. TB, mm. uh, polio, smallpox, awful illnesses, even measles. Child, women died in childbirth Death, with death, their death. eighth or tenth child. Ah. Uh, they were living in tiny communities, often especially the women, Without any choice because Mm. it was the man's job that got them to a place Mm -hmm. and they didn't have any other opportunity uh, for them because they couldn't or didn't work. They had had to bring up children. They lived in uh, sometimes very isolated communities. Uh, I think the life of an immigrant in the 19th and 20th century Canada would have been incredibly hard. I think it would have been incredible. I I agree. I again, I look at
1: it through rose tinted lenses. But I mean, I'm a third generation Canadian. Um, I look back, not at my my grandparents, but my great grandparents with a little bit of awe. And maybe I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it nostalgia, but the dreamer, they came here with nothing. Like you were mentioning, um, they were my, from my, uh, ancestry. My, um, my great grandmother was a pioneer in Alberta. Um, and her, as was her, uh, her husband, my great grandfather. And they came to Canada in uh, the early 20th century ish from Russia no language, limited English, uh, no money, and, um, well, here I am. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, you dream about the simpler times as well. But what about you? What, where was your family from?
0: Well, my family on my mother's side came from uh, Britain way, way back, uh, 1600s. Wow. Wow. Be- before the Mayflower. 1610. They were butlers. They weren't, that wasn't their profession. That was their name. Oh, oh, I was confused. (laughs) They were fishermen and boat owners, and they settled in Newfoundland. And they were there for about 300 years. And then when the railway spanned Canada, they moved west. And it was that part of the family that I've been uh studying partly because it's so fascinating mm. that they've been here this long and that you can go back
1: that and far and i can go back
0: that far which is one of the benefits i suppose to the papered society mm. is that everything was written down mm-hmm. letters uh oh. birth certificates death certificates old bibles that people would write names right, in, right. and this was carried with them and usually passed down to the eldest child mm-hmm. uh often the eldest boy child but mm-hmm. often the eldest daughter as well and then these were kept and if, if you were lucky enough to have a family who was literate and who was able to keep these things mm-hmm. and to preserve them then to have this record uh and even if you're even luckier to have a relation in my case, my grandmother actually recorded her memoirs on cassette tape. Oh, fantastic. In the 1970s, she recorded them. And so I hear her voice and oh. I can picture her. And she would be talking about uh, being born in the 19th century and uh, what life was like in Victoria, where she grew up. Wow. And then she was a pioneer nurse in Quinell, oh. And then she ended up in a tiny remote village on vancouver island uh where she was married to my grandfather and then gave up her life Mm. to living as uh the resident nurse with no pay of course right well why why would she expect to be paid Uh, (laughs) and bringing up two kids and and living in a remote Place that would rain all the time. There were rats in the walls. Not BC. Not in BC. Not in BC. Surely <laughs> not. And uh yeah, and, it, and now it's funny. You you talk about rose tinted glasses. This same spot that she spent her entire adult life, it now attracts 120 thousand <laughs> visitors around the world for ecotourism wow wait okay where are you talking about it's a tiny place Mm -hmm. on the north end of Vancouver Island the northeast side called Telegraph Cove of course you've heard of it well I've heard of it probably from you but (laughs) 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 but I've heard of it it's kind of folkloric yeah I guess people go there would feel the same way that you do Mm -hmm. they see this quaint little mm. village of little chocolate box looking houses mm. on a boardwalk that that circles this tiny little cove and the houses are bright colored and the windows of white panes you know white uh, wash around them mm-hmm. and little diamond panes and it all looks quite lovely and nostalgic on a sunny day in mm. the summer mm. when mm. people are there to go camping or hiking or whale watching or kayaking and yet listening to my grandmother's stories of Mm. what life was really like, you realize that it was challenging at best.
1: Oh my, and so, because it's not summer all year round up there, it's got to be pretty dismal from when, uh, September through April? Everything
0: but summer. And even some summers (laughs) would be pretty wet. So I was very inspired by this, and I decided that um, there are an awful lot of pioneer stories about men, Mm -hmm. For men in Mm -hmm. the libraries in the bookstores but there's not an awful lot about what life was like for the women no like your Mm great-grandmother you know in Alberta yeah and my grandmother in Telegraph Cove and I decided to write a book about this wow I'm very excited. Can I touch you? An authoress. An authoress. (laughs) Tell me about your book. Tell me about your book. Okay. It's going to be about and going because it's being published (gasps) in June 2019 by a wonderful uh, publisher called Touchwood Editions, which is based in Victoria. And a lot of their books are um, about BC history, uh, pioneering history, and about women. And so it's a really good fit because I wanted to write about all the women. Women, or as many of the women Mm -hmm. as I could find Mm -hmm. and interview or research and write about what it was like to uh, live in this tiny isolated place. It had uh, only about 40, 50, 60 people at its maximum. Wow. But what I found really fascinating is that it probably mirrored many other small places across Canada in that there were people from different countries Mm -hmm. all living in this one space. Uh, In this case, in Telegraph Cove's case, it was Chinese and Japanese and the white settler women. Mm -hmm. And then in the depression, there were a lot of people that just uh, washed up to find a job because they couldn't get a job in the city. Was it a whaling town? I'm just trying to remember. Is it was Telegraph Cove a whaling town? It started actually as a fish saltery. Oh, it was a Japanese uh, businessman and my grandfather mm-hmm. uh, decided to put in a small saltery, a fish saltery, in the cove and a small sawmill to make the boxes to hold oh. the fish that would then get sent to Japan ah. because the Japanese loved the salted salmon. Ah, And then in the Depression, that started to fade okay. and the sawmill started to take on a larger role. Mm-hmm. And then just as the Second World War was starting, uh, one of the saddest episodes in mm. BC's history, mm-hmm. as you know, yep. is anyone of Japanese heritage, whether they were Japanese yep. or born in Canada, yep. a second generation Canadian, they were removed from the coast. Yeah, it's a, it's a disgraceful episode in our history for absolutely and then the royal canadian air force actually took over the town took over the sawmill because they needed to build an airport the airport at port hardy was built out of lumber from telegraph cove Wow, and then after the second world war uh there were european immigrants Mm. from the war that were fleeing very tough times Mm -hmm, in Europe mm -hmm. and coming to Canada needing a job and not being able to be picky about where and what they did and so places like Telegraph Cove then became the home to families uh, especially families with large uh, groups of children because there was a one-room schoolhouse in Telegraph Cove that needed to be peopled oh (laughs)
1: and so your family started Telegraph Cove Yes, my great
0: grandparents started it. Your great grandparents
1: started it. it, Yes. And how, so they lived their life, they they lived
0: the rest of their adult lives up there. Well, my great grandparents lived in Alert Bay, which is nearby, but they were the ones that bought the the land. My grandparents did live Mm. their adult lives in Telegraph Cove. And then when they grew too old and sold the cove on, the sawmill finished its time, mm-hmm. as many resource-intensive uh, yeah. businesses did yeah. at, in the 1970s and 80s, and Telegraph Cove became the location for the first whale-watching center in the province. Well, that's very different
1: from what I imagined, because I, I was picturing whaling station, and so it wasn't a whaling station, but it was a whale watching station which is a lot uh,
0: more environmentally yes. friendly and th- that says a lot about uh canada in over a hundred years where a whaling station may have happened in the coast in the 1870s sure, 80s sure. but whale watching became yeah. really big in the 1980s and now it's it's still a center for uh, watching whales you can take boats out to uh, areas where you can watch grizzly bears you can rent kayaks to look at the flora and fauna there's a fantastic museum in Telegraph Cove that is full of the bones of marine mammals that have died of natural causes that then Then someone will phone up the proprietor of the museum and say, "Um, I've got a harbor seal on my property. Mm. Do you want it? And Mm. the guy would say, sure, (laughs) and would take it and render it and put the bones together. And it's uh, an information center on coastal marine life. So now how do you get to Telegraph Cove? In my grandparents' day, the only way you could get there was by boat. Mm. And then in the 1979, for the first time, you could drive all the way up there. Uh, that was the, when the road went all the way up Vancouver wow. Island. And now you can drive up. It's past north of Campbell River, just south of Port McNeil uh and it's it's a it's this little charming village that people go and fall in love with but the reality is that for the women that lived there Mm -hmm. that didn't have a choice hard life yeah and so it's fascinating researching their lives where they came from Mm. many of them like your family came from Europe mm-hmm. uh, even as far you were saying your family came from Russia R-
1: absolutely Russia Poland Lithuania Ukraine a kind of the mishmash of
0: the bread basket um, and so many went h- to the hence prairies hence my love of bread yeah <laughs> And so many went to the prairies. Mm -hmm. I guess it's where land was available, and they would. uh, And then many from the prairies would come to the coast. Yeah.
1: Well, my my uh, great grandparents went to uh, Alberta. Um, They so the story goes that my great great grandfather, yes, and his family came um, uh, because they were able to get land. Yes. And so they came out to get land and be farmers but they were not farmers in the old country. And life in uh, Alberta for this particular uh, arm of my family was very difficult. And my, I think it was my great-great-grandfather, yes, my my grandmother, my great-grandmother's dad died young, leaving her mom with three, four daughters. And they ended up having to uh, leave their um their plot of land in, I think it was in Cochrane, Alberta, that particular branch of the family, and they moved to Calgary. And then my great-grandmother married and went on to become another Alberta pioneer with her husband, and they went to, I think they were in Irkana, Alberta, and they had five daughters and one of which was my grandmother and then you know they went shifted back and forth from the prairies to or small town alberta to calgary and then uh to vancouver and i think that uh, when i think back of the stories of my great grandmother it um it does sound so magical but of course she left out the hardship and and sounds like when you did your research for your grandparents and, and great grandparents and and even your your mom um you were able to uncover not so much the 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 wondrousness of history but the hardship and the day-to-day drudgery yes
0: drudgery is a good word especially for the the women who were uh dealing with no electricity perhaps um very poor food options especially if you didn't live off the land yeah uh, it, you know, it was it, especially people who worked like your great grandparents and great great grandparents mm-hmm. and mine were. They were reliant on resources, whether yeah. it was grain on farms yep. or fish. Uh, it it was it was real. It was a real boom and bust lifestyle, mm. which is a segue <laughs> because that's the name of my book: Boom. And Bust. Boom and Bust, The Resilient Women of Historic Telegraph Cove.
1: And when can I get a copy of that book, Jen?
0: You can pre-order it now where but it will be anywhere Oh, okay. anywhere that uh, that will sell books boom or bust boom and oh, bo- bust pardon me boom and bust the resilient women of te- historic telegraph go. <laughs> and it will be launched in June of this year okay. and I will make sure you are on the guest list Ooh. for the launch yay uh, I'm very proud of you that's, fun.
1: that's a big accomplishment writing a book and shedding light uh, onto your family's history but also history of our province and how um, people lived I
0: find it fascinating I can't wait for the book launch well thank you thank you I'm very excited about it and I'm thrilled for all the women that are profiled in the book because these women just lived their lives and uh, dealt with a lot of difficult things with grace and fortitude and for them to have their regular life story Mm -hmm. profiled Mm -hmm. is something I'm really I'm really happy of, of for them. Yeah, you should be very proud of that. And I think next will be your book about your great-grandparents. I'd like to read that. Oh, well, I'll I'll start today. (laughs) Flotsam and Jetsam, part of the Ferrochrome Podcast Network.